So we are in our series called Presidents, Prophets, and Kings. I'm super excited because that's the first Sunday I've actually said it right in four weeks. <laughs> Somebody give me some love for that. Come on. I said it. Yeah, I've gotten it wrong every week. This series, though, if you're brand new, let me catch you up to speed. We're in one story in the Old Testament, and I believe that this story really parallels what's happening right now in our country and even what's happening in the world right now. So the children of Israel, uh, they wanted a king, and God's like, I'm your king. And they're like, I know, but everybody else around us has a king. Why can't I have a king? It, 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 it sound like a bunch of spoiled children. Like it just says, they have a king. Why can't we have a king? Um, they have an iPhone. Why can't I have an iPhone 12? I mean, just that kind of thing. That's what's happening. And so God says, okay, I'll give you a king. And it did not go well, okay? They put all their hope and all their trust in a king, and the king after king after king after king let them down. Does that sound familiar at all? We put our trust and our hope in a president, and then that president lets us down, and then that president lets us down, and that president lets us down, and on and on and on it goes. Got so bad now that there's in this story, the king is probably the worst of them all. His name is Ahab. Children of Israel are, some are still worshiping, but it's basically non-existent. They're no longer worshiping Jehovah, Yahweh, as they the name they used for God. And they are worshiping Baal. Their shrines and temples and everything, they're going up all over the nation and they've just forsaken God. And so God raises up Elijah and Elijah is a prophet and Elijah calls the people back to God. Now what's critical that we understand in this series, church, it's really critical that you understand that this is not a series where we are standing, I believe all of us are called to be a prophet. So turn to somebody and say, you're a prophet. You are a prophet, okay? You're a prophet. Now. What I mean by this, this is not necessarily what I'm saying is go out into the world and yell at the world. That's the problem with the church so many times. We're yelling at the world. What we really need to be doing is yelling at one another. Get our act together. The problems in our world today are because of the church. We've got to take our place we got to stand up and we got to be who God's called us to be. And so as prophets, we are talking about standing as prophets in our home and in our church. And I believe God is calling not just the world, but he's actually calling the church back. Let that sink in for a minute. Wow. How far have we drifted when God is having to call his own people back? If you don't believe that's happening, you're missing it because that is what's happening. And I believe that God has given us four things out of this uh, story that he's calling us back to. He's calling us back to worship, it's calling us back to sacrifice our lives for others. It's calling us back to prayer. And today I want to talk to you about this word holiness. He's calling us to be a, a holy people. So you, in 1 Kings chapter 18, it's where we are. And in this story, Elijah, and let me again catch you up here if you're new to church or new to this series. Elijah is standing up against 450 prophets of Baal, and he says, it's time that all of this stops. It's time that all this ceases. And so he calls the prophets to the showdown on Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, they build their altar, and, and, and they, they call out to their God. Nothing happens. It, scriptures actually say no response. There was, there was no response, okay? So obviously Baal is a teenager who never returns a text. That's, that's pretty much what we see here in the scriptures, Okay. Um, they, they, they ghosted him. They ghosted him. So, so that's a message for another day. Come on, people, text me back. Um, so anyway, I digress. And so then Elijah steps up 
and he uh, puts his bull on the altar and he says, just to show off and throw an exclamation point, he, he has him pour water on it. And then last week we talked about the prayer that he prayed. And now we come to the answer in verse 38. Verse 38, immediately, I love that right after, that's how quickly your situation can change, immediately, okay? Just that quickly. Immediately, the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and they cried out, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord, he is God. Title of my message today is Holiness in a Hopeless World. Holiness in a Hopeless World. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the moments we have to be together here and to hear from your word. I just pray that you would speak to all of us in Jesus' name right now. I just, church, right now, just pray that God would speak to you in Jesus' name, that, that, that you would hear from him because he has a message for all of us right now. If you're ready to hear from the word of God, give me a big amen. amen. All right, now you can sit down. You can clap too. That's good. I like that. Clapping's good. Yeah, yeah. That's not that kind of clapping. That's pretty pathetic, people. Uh, just telling you. Oh, so a couple weeks ago, our staff, we were having a conversation about dated slang terms and using terms that nobody uses anymore. And the reason we were talking about this is because many of you know Megan, who's on staff with us, Megan Spears, and she has a teenager, and she was using a phrase and a slang that her daughter said, uh, Mom, nobody says that anymore. You know, if you've ever had a teenager, you know how painful that can be, and if you don't have one yet, just get ready because those are going to be some painful years when they show you just how to step you, out of step you are and how uncool you are, and so in there I just used one of those words, okay? So here's what I want you to think about for just a moment. What is one word that you use? What's a slang word that you use, okay? It's part of your vocabulary. I want you to think of what that word is. Real quick, turn to somebody and tell them just one of the words that you use. This is kind of your go-to, and you say, okay? Just tell somebody what that is. All right, this is your word. Okay. All right, you ready to see, you ready? We're going to see how dated your term is, okay? See how dated your term is. I think one that's really coming onto the radar, one that is probably going to really take off and is really trending right now is the one that President-elect Joe Biden is saying, and that is malarkey. He says malarkey a lot. Now, now I know when, when I said the word malarkey, the word malarkey, what, what does that mean? It's like all the Trump supporters right now would be saying, President-elect Joe Biden, that's a bunch of malarkey, okay? So that's how you use that. If you use that word, by the way, uh, Joe Biden using that word, that is a phrase that is 100 years old, <laughs> 1920s is when that, I think that's when he was born. So that, I'm sure he could... <laughs> Sure, he could let us know. All right. Anybody say cool? Man, that, man, that is cool, man. That is so 1930s. Yeah. Anybody still saying hip? Some people say hip. I don't know if anybody says hip anymore. If you use the word hip, that's, that's, that's the 1950s. That's, that's a little dated there. Here's one. Stoked. Man, I am stoked. That is, that is so 1960s. Or as, or as uh, the, anyone under the age of 20 would say, is that was the 1900s, you know? Make you feel really old. Uh, awesome. Now, I use the word awesome, but I, and we had a discussion about this. I feel like this is just a, a, a normal word now in our English vocabulary, but evidently it is still a slang term. And if you're saying that, that began in the 1970s. 
Wow. How about this one? Whatever. Whatever. 1980s. That came in the 1980s. Another one? Oh, man, it's so epic. Oh, man, it's so epic. That one was also the 1980s. Here's one. When you finish a sentence and you say the word not, anybody remember that one? Yeah, like Joe Biden supporters right now would be saying, hey, Donald Trump, still a chance? Not. Come on, people, I'm an equal opportunity basher in the house, okay? I ain't gonna just pick on Joe Biden. I'm gonna pick on Donald Trump. I'm gonna pick on everybody. Y'all wonder, who did Pastor vote for? I don't know. You will never know who I voted for. How about this one? Talk to the hand. Yeah, that's uh, very 1990s. One more, one more for you. Legit, man, that is so legit. That is actually from the 1890s. Oh my goodness, 1890s, wow. Like I, when I see that, when I have a picture, I picture a guy with a top hat on and a stash and lady with a big, you know, fluffy, poofy dress and she's got like an umbrella and she's like, oh, Henry, that hat is so legit. <laughs> so today I wanna to talk about a word that I think is probably pretty dated in the church. It's one that you don't hear very often and it seems like it's kind of gone out of style and that's the word holiness. You don't really hear that word anymore, but truly, it, the, the truth is it's, it's a word that's actually been around before the dawn of creation. It's, it's, a, it's a word that I really believe that we need to, to bring back. If you look way back in the book of, of Leviticus, one of the first books in the Bible, God told Moses to tell the nation of Israel this, you must be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Now, I think most people have given up on holiness because it seems so unattainable. They go, oh, holiness, <laughs> That's reserved for missionaries and monks and the Billy Grahams and the Mother Teresas and, frankly, you know, people in the Bible. Like, it's, it's for them because, I mean, after all, it's called the Holy Bible. But holiness isn't just for the select few. It's for you. I want you to turn to somebody and say, holiness is for you. Holiness is for you. Now, when I say that, some of you say, not me, Brad, because I... I I'm not perfect, and I, I, I cannot even come close to being perfect. And what I want to say to you today is, what, what if I told you that's not what holiness is at all? It's not about being perfect. So what is holiness? And, and, and is it even attainable by regular people? I want us to see some answers here in Elijah's story in, in 1 Kings chapter 18. Go back to verse 38, and it says this, immediately, say this with me, what? The fire of the Lord, come on, one more time, the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven. It burned up the young bull. It burned up the wood, the stones, the dust. It even licked up the, all the water in the trench. Here's what you and I know. Fire is powerful. Fire can be destructive, but fire can also be purifying. I and mean, we've seen the destructive fires 
and the wildfires that have been taking place in California and Colorado. We know how destructive fire can be. And in this story, in this moment, God, when fire fell, it could have destroyed the nation of Israel. I mean, he had every right to destroy them for what they were doing. We haven't really talked about what they were doing. We've talked about that they had uh, built shrines and temples and they were worshiping the idols of Baal. But what we haven't talked about is, is what their practices were. And their practices, frankly, were very disturbing and deplorable. One of them was forced prostitution, sex slavery, women, ladies. If you were alive during that time period, you'd have to go to the temple and you'd have to offer your body, all of you would have to do this, offer your body as a sacrifice to the God of Baal sexually. So the prophets, they would come out, they would go down the line, and they would pick out the woman that was supposedly the one. And what that meant was some women would go to the temples and they would live around the temple for up to three to five years because they, they really, frankly, weren't beautiful enough to be chosen by the prophets. I mean, this was what was happening during this time. It was demeaning and it was degrading, we would all agree, to women. But that wasn't all they were doing. They were also offering up child sacrifices. Whenever there was a crisis in the nation or, or a plague or something detrimental taking place, they would, they would sacrifice their firstborn. And here in the middle of all of this, God shows mercy. Now, when I say that, I know some of you have gone, excuse me, I've read ahead. <laughs> and uh, that last verse says, they took the prophets of Baal and killed them dead. How is that merciful? Well, one thing you have to realize here is, one, we don't understand all that God does, but I can tell you this, that he's a just God and he's a merciful God. For these men were responsible for what was happening to these women and children. They were the ones who were forcing it upon these women and these children. These were the ones who were not going to relent Okay, they were not going to bow. Look at the story. Who bowed? The nation of Israel bowed. Did the prophets bow? No. They stood in defiance to God. We're going to go right back to what we were doing. We don't care about that fire. And what does God do? We serve a God who stands up for the vulnerable. We, we serve a God who cares about injustice. We serve a God who will stand in the gap for those who are being abused and taken advantage of, and we should do the same. Amen? Oh, that's a good place for more than one person to be clapping. He's a God of justice and he's a God of mercy. And he made a way for the people to be forgiven. That's what the altar, that's what the sacrifice was all about. And this, so this wasn't God's destructive fire. This was his purifying fire. Because the nation of Israel, if you read in the story in the Old Testament, they were set apart as a holy nation. And that's what holiness means. Holiness simply means this, if you want to write it down, to be set apart. Holiness means to be set apart. It's, it's not about trying to be perfect. In other words, God calls us to live different than the world. Right now, in our world, there is so much abuse, there's so much anger, there's so much divisive uh, attitudes, there is evil, there are atrocities that are so unspeakable, and God is saying, I have set you apart, church. I have called you to live different. I have called you to make this world a better place. 
I'd like for you to write this down. Holiness isn't optional. Holiness isn't optional. It's a responsibility. Holiness is not an option. It is a responsibility. The world needs to see that there's a better way to live. The world needs to see a group of people and individuals who are set apart, who are working to bring the goodness of our God into this world. Fast forward um, over a thousand years and Jesus is born and he is now an adult and John the Baptist is pointing the way to Jesus as the savior of the world. And in Matthew 3.11, John the Baptist, who is Jesus' cousin, says this about him. He being Jesus, he will baptize you with what? Say it with me. The Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, if you're new to church or new to the scriptures, you're like, you don't understand much about it. I want to give you just a real quick uh, uh, teaching here on the Old Testament versus the New Testament. In the Old Testament, okay, the Old Testament, the, the fire was in the temple. The presence of God was in the temple, and in the middle of that temple was called the Holy of Holies, and that was where God resided in the Old Testament. Fast forward, Jesus comes, he dies on the cross, he's resurrected from the dead, he ascends to the Father, he sends the Holy Spirit, and as Paul then tells us, is now the Holy Spirit no longer resides in a temple. In other words, he no longer just resides here. His presence is here this morning, but he's not hanging out for you to show up next Sunday. He doesn't just wait here for you. We are all now the temple of the Holy Spirit. You have the fire inside of you. The question is, do you have the fire inside of you? You. Come on, turn to somebody and ask them, you got the fire? You, you got the fire? Listen, here's the thing. We, we are all mini temples. Think of yourself like a mini temple sent out into the world to light up the world. Turn to somebody and tell them, light up your world. Light up your world. We are torchbearers. Like wherever you go, we take the holiness of God. You are a temple in your neighborhood. You are a temple in your workplace. You are a temple on your campus. You are a temple on that ball field. You are a temple everywhere you go. You have the fire of God in you and we are called to give out the fire of the goodness of our God. We are called to be distributors of the fire of grace, of mercy, of compassion, of peace, of hope and healing and peace and purpose. This is who we are. This is what we're called to do. Now, set apart does not mean set above. In other words, it doesn't mean that we are holier than thou, that we are somehow better than. This was the attitude of the Pharisees. This was the attitude of the religious leaders in Jesus' name, and he, in, Jesus, in Jesus' time, and Jesus constantly called them out on this. These were men who were set apart by God and originally had started to do things that were good to try to live for God, but eventually it became about them and they tried to earn their holiness. And so they would, they would set themselves apart like, I'm not going to associate with those people. 
I am not going to allow the sick or the, the deranged or the sinners to come near me. They wouldn't associate with them. They wouldn't allow them to touch them because they considered them to be unclean. Jesus shows up on the scene and he blows them away by touching those who are unclean, by going and eating with the sinners. And here's the Pharisees just completely, they're just jacked up. They're all messed up. They don't even know how to take this. They don't know what to do with it because they're like, no, 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 no. This is what I do. I do this and I do this and I go to the temple and I pray and I do these things, even in the way in which they dressed. God had given them a, a priestly garb that they should wear, but they started wearing it to show off as a sense of pride, as to being better than others. They had these tassels and they had uh, shawls that they would wear and they had jewels that they would do. And, and they wore all that to just somehow make themselves better than everyone else. That is not holiness. I don't know what church you grew up in, but that's the kind of church I grew up in. They were good people. There's a lot of good that happened, but it was all about the do's and don'ts. Some of you grew up in a church like that, in the do and don't church. You do this and you will be holy. You don't do this and you will be holy. And I remember how that played out. Like when I was a kid, I couldn't go to movies. Now I know for some of you, you're like, what? I mean, that's, that sounds so archaic but I couldn't go to movies. Why? Well, because we were not to go to the movie house. Why can't we go to the movie house? It wasn't even a the theater, the movie house. Well, the, because we do not associate, we do not go to that. Those, that's, it's bad, it's bad, just know it's bad. Why is it, why is it bad? It's just bad, we don't go. Why? It's just bad, we don't go. Okay, so we didn't go. This was when I was in, in, growing up as a child, this is when the Star Wars trilogy came out. I didn't get to go see any of the Star Wars movies. Like all my friends were going to see it, but I couldn't go see it because it was just bad. Now, what was weird is we could go to Burger King and get the collector cups. <laughs> what? So I had R2-D2, C-3PO, Chewbacca, Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker. I knew all the characters. I knew everything about them, but I, I could not go to the movie. I, I remember during the pandemic and that I... I still to this day haven't watched all the movies and I've never ever been into Star Wars. And my kids are like, dad, you gotta watch it. So finally in the pandemic, at the, in the beginning of the pandemic when everything was really shut down, I was like, all right, I'm sitting down. And I watched the very first Star Wars for the first time in my life <laughs> in 2020. That's the first time I ever saw it. And you're like wondering, well, did you like it? I will tell you this. All I remember is in the first 40, 45 minutes just going, I don't think I'm supposed to be watching this. This is <laughs> I just, I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to hell. I know it. Oh, this is so wrong, but it's so right. It's so wrong, but it's so right. I don't know what kind of church you grew up in. Maybe you didn't grow up in church. Here's what I'd like for you to do for just a moment. I want you to share with somebody. Did you grow up in church? Was your church like that? And if you didn't grow up in church, what was your view of church? Just turn real quick. Just share with somebody. Just for a moment. What was church like? I'd like for you to write this down. Holiness is not something I do. I'm jacking with some of you. I'm messing up some of your heads right now. Holiness is not something I do. Holiness is who I am. Holiness is not something I do. Holiness is something I am. The Apostle Paul helps us with this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the second verse. He says this, he, that's God, he, 
made you holy by means of who? Who? Christ Jesus. By means of Christ Jesus. In other words, there's, there's nothing we can do to make ourselves holy. There's nothing you can do to make yourself holy. It's already been accomplished through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He is the one who makes us holy. It's not about reading your Bible more. It's not about uh, praying more. It's not, oh, if I, if I, oh you know what? If I, I, if I just participate in the Friday fast, then, then I'm going to be holy. Oh, you know what? I'm going to get up and in the middle of a pandemic, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to be in the house of God because when I'm in the house of God, by golly, that makes me holy. Now, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to cuss as much to my kids. I'm, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just not going to cuss so much. At least I'm not going to use the, the, the F word. That's the one I'm not going to say anymore. But I'm, it, we think we we say all these things. If I don't do these things, now all those things are, are all those things are those things bad? Those, no, those things are good. Like I wouldn't recommend cussing at your kids. Probably not a good idea. But all y'all know, most of you have done it at one time or another. And you thought, well, here goes my holiness right out the window. <laughs> I've always said you haven't parented until you cussed at your kids. I'm just saying. And I know, I know as a, as a pastor, you're like, you shouldn't be saying that from the platform. I'm just being real. I got four kids. What do you think the odds were that I cussed at one of my kids? Okay. But that's not what makes me holy. Reading your Bible, praying, being in the house of God like this, or as people, most of our people right now, they're, they're, they're persevering by watching online. Is that a good thing? Yes. It's a beautiful thing, but that is not what's gonna make you holy. The Pharisees tried that. And Jesus looked at them and he said, you're nothing but whitewashed tombs. You're dead on the inside. We've all known people like that, haven't we? Like they act a certain way, they're pious, and this is what I do, and I don't do this. And you're like, but something in you just doesn't seem right. And we wonder why the world doesn't want the message that we have. And here's, here's why, because outward expressions do not lead to inward transformation. Your outward expressions are not going to lead to an inward transformation. It's, it's, here's what it's going to lead to. Shame, guilt, frustration, condemnation, judgmental attitude, controlling of others. You can't make yourself holy. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them you cannot make yourself holy. You cannot make yourself holy. So stop trying to earn it and simply receive it. That's how you received your salvation. You didn't work for it. You were a mess, and you came to God, and you called out to him for mercy, and he showed you mercy. He said, I forgive you. The same thing is with holiness. You can't earn it, so stop trying. So the fire, it falls from heaven, and it consumes everything, the bull, the wood, the stone, and the water. Let's look at verse 39. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come as we read this. When all the people saw it, in other words, when they saw the fire, they fell face down on the ground and they cried out, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord, he is God. Now, what's interesting is when you read that, you gotta, I want you to look closely at this scripture, okay? Because what I want you to see in this scripture is that they acknowledged God's holiness but they weren't repenting. They acknowledged God's, in other words, they were convinced, but they were not consumed. 
If you read ahead and if, and if you look at how the nation of Israel went, they basically went right back to the practices and, and they went right back to worship of other things and they were, became disobedient to God. Again, they, in other words, they left the fire at the altar. Write this down. Don't leave the fire at the altar. Don't leave the fire at the altar. In, in other words, don't come to church don't come into the presence of God right now. Experience the fire. We've all experienced the fire today. If you, man, I'm telling you, we have experienced the fire of God, the presence and the power of God through the baptism that we had. Come on, somebody. That was amazing. Amazing to see that today. Watch a mom baptize her daughter. Come on. That's powerful. Man, when we start saying, man, God is for me, in the middle of that song, if you, man, that's where you, man, the presence of God, the power of God. As, as we're reading the scriptures right now, you're just, you're sensing it and you're feeling it, but what can happen is we can leave it right here and not take, us with, not take it with us into the world. In Hebrews 12, 29, it says this, for our God is what? A consuming fire. He's a consuming fire. In other words, God doesn't want part of you. He, he wants all of you. Does he consume you? Does God consume you? When the, when the, when the fire consumes you, like, how do I know, Brad? Is it because I read my Bible more? No, no, no. Go back, re-listen. Back up and re-listen. Does it, is it, is it mean come to church more? No. Stop. Come to church, read your Bible, pray, fast with us on Fridays. It'll change your life. No, it's, it's about being mini temples. It's about taking the fire that you have in this place that you've received today and going out into the world and being a mini temple at work and being a mini temple on your campus and being a mini temple to your, your neighbors. Because when you are, the fire of God no longer just resides here, but it resides here and it consumes you. And when it consumes you, it begins to affect your choices, it begins to affect your decisions. It begins to affect every part of you, your attitude, the way in which you interact with people, what you, what, what you will do and how you will treat other people it will inform your decision-making. It, it, will, it will consume you in every area of your life. Laura got a um, text uh, yesterday from a person from Core Church, and I thought this was great. We all saw what yesterday held for us as a nation, and I can sense in this room how many people are so disappointed and frustrated. And I can sense in this room, though, some of you, how excited you are about the future of our country and how excited you are about the person who's been elected. See, the, we don't have to go outside the doors of this church to find division. We don't have to do that. But as the people of God, we're called to unite together. We come under the banner of Jesus Christ. Because I, I just, I'm just going to, before I tell you what they text me, I just want you to know this. I don't care who you voted for. I really don't care. I've got pastors in this community. I've got people in this church who voted for Joe Biden. And you are my friend. And I love you. And I'm passionate about you. I want good for you. I'm excited for you. 
And I'm glad to see that the person that you believe in has been elected to lead our country. But I also got friends in this room and I got pastor friends and I got family and others who voted for Donald Trump. And I know you're disappointed. And I know you're hurting. And you're wondering about the future of our country. As we land this series, the answer is not in the White House. The answer is in our house. I'm the change. No elected official can change or manipulate how you live your life. Oh, but they can take my freedoms. They cannot take your freedom of declaring the name of Jesus Christ and going out and doing good in this world. That's never going to stop. How do I know that? Because all over the world, dictators, persecution, communism, ain't stopping the name of Jesus. In fact, actually the name of Jesus is thriving in those countries. Right now, one of the number one growing places for Christianity is in Iran. Iran! Who'd have ever thought that? I love this text though. So I just, just want to say that I really appreciate the staff. And especially, this was uh, text Laura got. I appreciate the staff and especially Brad staying neutral through this election season. It's been very disheartening the way some have been on social media. be posting anything of anger or anything that creates division or anything that is divisive. I'm not saying to not support values. I'm not saying to not support positions. I'm not even saying that you can't support a, a person that you believe in. But I'm saying anger and division and hatred and the way in which we lash out at one another. And it hurts the heart of God. We gotta stop. This is not who we are. This is not who we are. So I go to bed early on Saturdays because I want to be fresh on a Sunday. And I, like probably many of you, if not most of you, I, I watch Joe Biden speak. Um, I've got a lot of opinions and a lot of thoughts about his policies and different things. I thought it was very interesting as I could have just taken his speech and I, and I could have preached it. Am I, Brad, are you saying Joe Biden should be our president? You're missing the point of what I'm trying to say here. You're missing the whole point. Because he was talking about unity and he was talking about coming together. And So when it was over, I just felt, and I, I don't post a lot, but I felt like I wanted to just post to just try to stand up for unity and stand up for the name of Jesus and stand up for who we're supposed to be and call us back to who God has called us to be. The torchbearers of hope, the torchbearers of healing for our nation, the torchbearers of peace and purpose to our world. I've never spent more time on a post in my entire life. Because every time I'd start to write it, I go, man, somebody's just going to lash out and say something stupid. They're going to think, oh, Brad is pro-Trump. Oh, Brad is pro-Biden. Oh, that's what he, 
Oh, they're gonna try to read through the lines and this is, who, this is who he's trying to support. This is the agenda. I have one agenda and that is pushing forward the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's the only agenda I have. My only agenda, I put, you put whoever you want in office. I don't care about that. I care about your soul. I care about your soul. That's what I care about. Man, and I just spent like an hour. I've never done that. I spent like an hour. And Laura came in and goes, what are you doing? And I didn't even tell her because I was so embarrassed. But I was like, I was like, finally I just went, send. I haven't looked at it since, so I don't know what anybody's put or posted or said about it. But I just believe that we're torchbearers. Okay, back, back to the text. Sorry, back to the text. I was supposed to be landing this plane. So it's been very disheartening the way some have been on social media, and I just want you to know that you're appreciated. Regardless of who's in the White House, God is in our house. I hope the church wakes up to the fact that we should be the light guiding the lost to Jesus, not guiding people to a certain candidate. As followers of Jesus, we've been set apart, called to be holy, 